I'm Mel Stewart, and this is the Swim Swam Podcast. Joining me today is a visionary. This man is the founder and CEO of Form. If you don't know what Form is, you've been hiding under a rock and you haven't been paying attention because this is some cool tech. Uh, today, we have Dan Eisenhart, and we're going to dive into what Form is all about, how it started, and really learn a little bit more about him. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Mel. Thanks for the kind words, and thanks for having me. We spent some time together. You, you, uh, every so often, a company will, will will make a trip and they'll 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 come to Austin where our HQ is and and we'll we'll hop in the pool and we'll, we'll you know we'll we'll try some new technology or product. Um, and I think that I was very I had a lot of disclosure with you. I said um, head up display goggles, smart goggles. You know I've been hearing about this. I've been testing this tech since the 1990s, and it's just never it's never worked. I, I, and, uh, so we hopped in the pool, you kicked my butt. You're so much fitter not than true, I am. Not true. Very true. 100% true. And, and I was blown away. Um, so my first question to you is, and this is, you know, this is really not following the, the, the linear narrative that we want, but my first question to you is how often do you witness that experience with what you've created? You were actually one of the first people external people outside of form to try this product and i was very nervous uh it was my first time in austin and i really i love austin can't wait to go back and jumping in the pool and i was behind you and i remember your dolphin kick was pretty tough to to beat so i was very impressed with that so but i was happy to see that i mean you're uh you're a very honest and straightforward guy and you've seen a lot of different technology in your time and and have you know some gold medals uh uh around your neck. So um, it was great to hear like your experience was actually re replicated afterwards when we started testing this with other people. So they will first be thoughtful, be like, whoa, okay, this is better than I expected. I just have to get used to these goggles. Most people try, you know, they have used their own goggles forever and then they have to try a new pair of goggles. That would be the same for any goggle, whether it had technology in it or not. Uh, and then the next piece of information is, wow, this, this, uh, this is really interesting. This is the first time I am seeing heart rate. Oh, this is the first time I actually get to see my split in real time. There's a first, you know, they all, that always comes right after. This is the first time and that's really cool. And then it takes maybe one or two more swims to understand exactly how it's going to benefit you going forward. So there's a lot to take in, but it's always been that positive sort of wow, astonished uh, response, maybe because people weren't expecting it to be good. So, so I'm going to add some context and add some color to this since we are on a podcast. But basically, um, I was I, I didn't have a lot of faith. Uh, Dan is very convincing, and and uh, and I I typically will 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 not agree to test product when I think that I know and I have tested product. I have tested head-up display goggles, which you know now they call them smart goggles, for a long time, and uh, what. The first thing that 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 got me was I could see, I could see the clock, and I could see my splits. I could stare into the sun, and and I could see it, and it didn't bother me. I didn't have any weird brain thing going on. It was just, 
it was effortless. And if you're worth your salt and you're in the pool to do work, you know, it's the tyranny of the clock. And I was, uh, that's what blew me away. The fact that it was just something that was there. And I, and I was a little bit jealous because I'm well past my career and I broke my neck. I had, I had, I had stop clock and I had, I had the sweeping clocks, um, in the front of my lane to the side of my lane and in the, you know, and at the opposite end. And I was always craning my neck. So jealous that, that athletes now have this, this new tech. But uh, so I just had to add that context. The um, what was what was amazing to me was that you know we 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 finished our swim, we got out, and we walked over, and it was you know one click and the workout loaded, it synced, and I, and I was just like what? That was uh, I, that was something I was not expecting. That was that was an extra cherry on top. Um, has how have people reacted to that? Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks again for going through that experience. And we've off, I mean, you improved it even further since, because this was even before I think we, we hit the launch button back in 2019. So now the syncing is even more effortless and, and we've added, you know, some integrations and partnerships and features since. Um, but I think, I think, yeah, the, uh, we always want to build something that's just easy to use in the pool as well. That's why we automated everything. All you have to do is really put the, the pool length in and press the button to start. And then everything else is tracked. So that, so that whole idea of having the experience automated uh, and there for you to consume effortlessly, that was always uh, at the forefront for us. And that included the post-swim, uh, you know, syncing to the phone because I've had products as well where I just could not get the damn device to sync to my phone. And that just, it just ruined the whole experience. So I don't think that our responsibility stops in the pool. I think it goes from before you jump in the pool, it goes you know, in the pool and then after the swim. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's kind of what we try to cover that, that whole journey. If you're dropping down the pod and you, and you wanted to just press pause right now, it might be smart if you do that. Just and, uh, pop over to press pause, go to formswim.com, formswim.com and dive in. You want to follow them on social? It's really easy. It's at Form Swim on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, so, what's interesting is when I, I when people deliver something that's great, and when they when they when they they reach a milestone in terms of technology or is, as an entrepreneur, uh, what you find out is that they're they're not coming to this green. This isn't your first rodeo. Uh, you know, aside from your swim background, I, I know you know you, you're you're from Denmark but you swam in the United States uh, at Indian river, which is a story program, a junior college. You're an all American. Uh, you had to be a great swimmer to swim there. But um, you know, you, you, so you have, you have, you have swimming in your DNA, but you also have, you had this career that was very successful. You went on and you got your MBA and uh, you worked for another company and developed as a Raycon technology and developed basically this, you developed this technology in other sports. Unpack yeah. that for me. Yeah. Yeah. So the, um, the idea for the swimming goggles and having a heads up display in a pair of goggles, that, that, that it was always coming from swimming. So that was an idea that I got doing an entrepreneurship program on my MBA. And then we got together a group, a bunch of people came over and said, that sounds cool. Have you got any idea how to do this? I said, no. I hope you do. And then they're like, well, we kind of have an idea. So we sort of put it together, uh, but quickly realized that back, this was 2006, you know, this is before the first iPhone was released. 
we didn't feel confident we could pull off a swimming goggle at that point in time. Um, so our uh, MBA instructor there said to us, well, is there anything else? Is there another sport where it's easier? And we thought, well, wait a second. Uh, Winter Olympics is coming up. We were in Vancouver. I'm still in Vancouver. Uh, in 2010, we thought, well, what if we could build it into a pair of ski goggles? And that's, that's really what that company became about. That company spun out called Recon Instruments. We developed, I think, five generations of HESAP displays for skiing and later cycling as well. And, um, and, then, and then that company sold to Intel in 2015. So what you're telling me is that even though you're much younger and you have no gr- white beard or gray hair, you've already experienced an exit uh, as an entrepreneur. I'm not jealous. <laughs> I, I may have a white beard. I just haven't grown it yet. So I, I don't know. But no. well, ex- exits are always, uh, when they happen, it's always sort of a surreal out-of-body experience. When I say always, I've only tried it once. But there's a lot of fantastic companies out there that didn't get to enjoy that exit. And there's just a lot of randomness in that. And I think there's a lot of people out there with great ideas that haven't yet started the company, their companies and haven't yet experienced that exit. So I think there's a, there's sort of a lifelong opportunity to do something like that. In the meantime, you've built a fantastic company with uh, swim swam. So you've changed the, the whole sport of swimming with what you're doing there. So I don't, I think you, sh- you shouldn't be that humble. I think my life, I think my, my spouse and, and, and even some of our partners might want to exit, but I'm like, what would I do? I have no other identity. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you did exit and that's a big deal. And you exit, you, you, you did, and you're young. And, uh, but the point is you, you had all that experience and your, you, in your original idea was for swim. This is, this is, this is what's in your DNA. This is where you come from culturally. And, and you finally, decided to make that move that was back in 2016 that's i'm correct that's that's when you started form started development uh is that correct yes that's correct but it, but it was three so it was two it was 2019 before you officially launched yes uh, the, you started talking to me well in advance and the interesting thing is like when is that the the head of display goggles it was kind of it, it was a it's a topic that was around and then it wasn't around it was around and then when it came back around there were several companies that were all neck and neck and they're like, they're going to launch. And uh, in talking to you, you're like, Mel, uh, you, you were so confident and you were like, oh, we're going to, we're going to launch. It doesn't matter. We, we're, we're, we're proud of our tech. We're confident in our tech and you're going to understand it when you test it. And yeah. uh, that was 2019. Just kudos to you. Cause your, your, uh, your launch campaign was, was one of the best I've ever seen in the history of the sport. It, the, I thought the marketing campaign was, was amazing. You came up with that all on your own, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no. Yeah. You know the team. It was, uh, it's a, the, it was just the, the problem. I, it was, you, you got to go. go. Is, is the video still there? I'm going to put, when I, when I post this podcast, I'm going to put up that initial video because I thought that was fantastic. I thought it was great, great messaging. But yeah, uh, so, in terms of you, you tell me what the, where the idea came from, but is, is this something where when you were swimming, you were like, wow, I hate, I hate craning my neck at clocks. We, I wish this were in my goggles. Were you thinking that back when you were in your late teens and early twenties? Do you know what? I wasn't because it was hard to put anything like, like a vision like that. This was back in, yeah, back in the nineties and eighties and nineties. And what I, what I did do is that I was a competitive swimmer in 1500, you know, and, and the 400 and 1500 freestyle. So I spent a lot of time, 
just like in short course, 25 meter and 25 yard pools, doing a ton of turns and just always having to do the mental math. And I remember that pain. And of course we got to know, you know, what it feels like to swim at a certain pace, but at the same time, there wasn't a motivation. It, I always felt like I could give more if I had only known more at the time, you know, that whole feeling. And then I started, um, you know, running and having a running watch and, and going on the bicycle, you know, on the bike and you have a handlebar mount a computer and the wearable sort of revolution happened. And, and I, you know, I started to wonder why swimming hadn't been brought into that sort of 21st century. So it wasn't while I was a competitive swimmer that I actually articulated this exact value proposition, but it slowly crept in my mind, like the big question mark of why is swimming still stuck in the stone ages? And I think that was, that was the pain that I felt, I mean, why isn't somebody solving this problem? And then when I suddenly did this MBA and somebody, my instructor said, you got to pitch something you're passionate about. I was like, well, I've been swimming my whole life. I'm an engineer. And I thought, man, I just want, you know, I don't know if it's, if it's possible, but, but I just want Metswitch in real time. I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to just ask that question to the class. And that was how this whole thing started. It's pretty cool. I mean, you got, so uh, you, you got your master's at, and if I'm pronouncing this correctly, is it Alborg? Uh, University of Alborg. You did. Yeah. Perfect pronunciation. So, so you, got, you got your master's in engineering there. So you're one of those guys. I, the engineers always scare me because their IQ points are so much higher. Uh, and then you went on to get your MBA at the Sauter School of Business. Is that correct? In Vancouver? That's right. I was actually doing my MBA in Melbourne uh, and Melbourne Business School. And then it was an, uh, sorry, an exchange program to Vancouver. And so it was kind of convoluted, but that's how it worked out. You're a man of the world. <laughs> it's a, this is how it works. It's it, so you mentioned that the that you you recognize when the when and during the wearable revolution that uh, that that swimming was still in the Stone Age. So you you, you this this was your pitch. This was your pro. This is what this was. I was this your MBA thesis, uh, or was it just one class? It was just one class, but it was an entrepreneurship course that ran over sort of two semesters, I guess. So it was a pretty big module, and it was definitely the class that I was most excited about. So you knew that you were doing this. You knew you were going to launch this then. That was it. But for me, it was real. I think it was real. The minute I got up and pitched the idea, I felt that it was real. It wasn't It wasn't like a school environment. Are you, are you the, are the, I have a lot of peers that are where, you know, where, uh, I'm a founder. Did, so did, how, did it start affecting your sleep at that point? <laughs> Cause I, I find that people, you know, when, when you have the, when the idea comes and you're like, this is going to happen. Um, I, I go back and track my sleep and it's like my sleep drops off 10%, 20%, 30%. Cause I'm, I get up, I can't, I wake up and my mind's going. Was that your experience? It was, and like, I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs, right? I mean, I come from a family of engineers, actually. Everybody's an engineer in my family, and they work for somebody else. And uh, I never thought, thought that I would go and start anything. But what I did know was that if I'm passionate about something, like I was with swimming, you know, that was all I did for many years, you know, I'd go, I dive all in, and I immerse myself, and I can't help it. And I, and I felt that, again, with this idea, you know, when I, when I started to, to look into it and research it, it was just the energy you get is just unparalleled. Anybody who's been involved in the founding or, or early on in the business know how this feels. Like it's, it's just an amazing feeling. Everybody that's listening so far, they, they heard me on the front end and it was a, it was a wow reaction. 
and uh, deserve it. You know, kudos to you. You, you. you did it. You pulled it off. You crossed that threshold. Um, but it, it's sort of like iPhone or like, the, it, it, you know, you get this technology and it's extraordinary. Someone told me the iPhone had more, you had more information and more ability to access information than President Clinton, like back in 1995 with, with an iPhone. And you yeah. put that in a regular person's hand. It's a lot of tech. It's a lot of development. Um, you know, what were the hurdles? What were the, what were the hurdles in, in creating and delivering this technology? I mean, there were many hurdles. You're always obviously struggling for cash because nobody wants to fund like the first of anything, you know? So, so I think this was, okay, this was probably more so with, with Recon Instruments, um, which was the company that led into this, right? That was tough back then. You had the financial crisis hitting, you know, the first pitch I did, I remember, was the day Lehman Brothers went bust. And everybody was sitting there reading the news in the meeting. And it was just like, good luck, buddy. You're not going to get this funded. Like nobody wants, unless you have to, I remember one of the guys said, unless you have the cure for cancer, you're not going to get funded. And I was like, all right. So, so that was kind of what I was used to when, when Recon was built. So I had to go and get really creative about raising capital. Uh, luckily that, that got over the finish line and a lot, and those people got a good return. So, I, so, so the second time around when Formwood started, it was a bit easier. I have to admit to get the funding for it. Uh, but even, even that, I mean, once you've got the first couple of million in, a company like this needs a lot of capital, right? Because we're developing everything in house. We're doing optics and, you know, machine learning and software on the app and software on the device and hardware development. And then you have sales and marketing. So it quickly balloons out of control. And you have to, if, if you, if you want to go on the journey that we want to go on, which is not just to be, let's say a profitable company by X year, and then like right into the sunset, like what we wanted is just to build like this global swim club almost of people that are using our product. It becomes a new way of swimming, right? The, 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 it's an essential piece of equipment. So um, yeah, then you need a lot of money. So it was, it was hard. It's always hard to raise, to raise cash. Um, it was hard technically to pull off, of course, because, you know, water is 800 times more dense than air. So any kind of drag in the water, right, that's going to be a problem, especially for the faster swimmers. So we needed to shrink it down, but we also had to make sure that they'd had enough battery life so that people could, you know, didn't have to jump out of the pool after 30 minutes and charge it. We wanted to give a lot of battery life and we have, we have 16 hours, which I think is important to make. Again, it needs to be effortless, not like, oh, I forgot to charge it and then you can't use it. Um, and then, and then of course the experience, I think in the beginning, this is very early days, just when Intel had purchased a recon, I was actually already then testing with uh, some proof of concepts. And it was pretty clear that you can't really take in a lot of information while swimming because you know, you're breathing and it's a little bit chaotic sometimes. So we had to really scale back ambitions very early on to very few data points. And that's when we realized that you know what, that could actually work well for us because instead of thinking like we had a recon at full color, high resolution display, which was opaque. So you had to look down to see this monitor and then it, you know, it was a pretty impressive image. Doing that for swimming wouldn't make sense because you would get too distracted and you didn't need it because you couldn't take in that information. It had to be simple, monochromatic, and then it had to be more contextual and serve up different things at different times. That was so clear to us. And that helped us because then we didn't have to have as big a battery or as you know, sophisticated a display technology from, you know, in terms of costs. We had to develop everything ourselves and then custom build it for swimming. Not just like, 
off the shelf stuff that we could repurpose. It has to be purposely built for swimming. So we did that. <laughs> that, that, that I can hear your passion. <laughs> I, 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 I hear you climbing the mountain and I, and I, and I, I the only physical product we have is a, is a magazine and, and we do that because our advertising partners asked us to do it. And I, so I never fully understood managing a physical product and that's paper and, and most of it's outsourced, but it's, uh, so I have, I, I learned in the, the smallest way what it, what it means and, and, and how, how, how tough. That's a quality magazine too. Beautiful pages. Like when that comes to the door, you know, that is just a joy to read. So I, I, I love you kind of reinvented the, the paper, <laughs> the magazine. It's, it, you, you know, the interesting thing is I heard you said you had to get granular, you had to focus and, and that's, uh, and, and you needed to be great in just these, these few things. Um, just for someone who, you know, if I'm not an engineer, a lot of our listeners aren't engineers. How does the technology work? So um, it just works. <laughs> Trust me. No, we, we have a sensor. We have a bunch of sensors in there. So we have what's called a nine-axis sensor. So, and, and this sensor is what we've used to develop our machine le learning algorithms around. So if we have to code every single instance in the pool and try and get the device to recognize those instances, for example, when you turn and when you rest and when you swim butterfly, it would be a million lines of code. Right? Because, and you would never be able to fully do it, do it uh, justice. Machine learning allows us to actually get a, to a very, very high threshold of probability that the device knows what you're doing based on how we teach the device. So we'll get a bunch of different swimmers in the pool, we'll film them, and then we'll match that video with the sensors, these, this nine-axis sensor that we have, all the raw data output. And over time, we'll get to understand actually, you know, what it, what it feels like, you know, looks like to swim butterfly and what it looks like when you're turning and when you're resting. And then based on that, we can tweak and build in a ton of parameters and logic to then get to a very high, high uh, um, accuracy threshold. So that's in a nutshell how it works. And that's the, that's the brains, right? And then the, the optics is, is actually in many ways simpler. Like the optics is, even though it's very difficult to build, but we have a micro display that's an organic uh, light emitting diode, it's called an OLED. And that display beams light through this light pipe into what we call a waveguide, which is a little sandwich piece of glass that sits inside the goggles. And the light goes in that waveguide and hits um, a beam splitter. And that beam splitter lets in half of the light that come from the display and half of the light from the surroundings. So you get that immersive feeling of these numbers floating in front of you. And, and the, 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 the freeform mirrors in there are constructed in a way that the image is not like looking at a phone from, oh, I just turned on my, my uh, spotlight here. Um, you know, cause you, it, it's not like looking at a phone at a close distance. It's actually augmenting the image and magnifying it so that it's, you can all, it's always in focus for you. It's um, like I said at the outset, I, I, I fully expected, I did not expect to see the display and for it to be something that just was there and immediate for me to, I had it and, and I, I, I really anticipated having sort of a brain issue, but I, I, and I could stare into the sun and it was fine. So it was fine staring into the sun. It was fine underwater. It was fine everywhere. And that was, that was what was mind blowing. It's, um, you know, it, technology is something that, that is, uh, I would say that my better judgment told me that we, we live in a world where older coaches control the sport of swimming. 
and they're slow to adopt technology. And, uh, you know, I, I know that's a hurdle. So have you experienced that hurdle? What, what is, what is, what has it been like in terms of adopting new technology? Cause you're at the, you're the tip of the spear. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And we did expect that to happen uh, because it is a big hurdle, I think, for many coaches because they've been doing coaching for so many years in a certain way and it's worked for them, you know, but most of them is they've been successful and it's hard to imagine what an alternative path would look like, right? And I think adopting new technology, like you said in the beginning of the program, there's so much junk out there. So I'm sure a lot of coaches have burned their fingers on technology that they thought was going to help them and then it ended up just not working for them. And when you have to scale it up to your entire team, what if you have to spend more time connecting, disconnecting, uploading, and then actually coaching? So I think there are some scars on the back mixed with also maybe some level of complacency or fear uh, in terms of what it's going to do to their coaching and loss of control. I think, I think all of those things are natural, like normal questions for humans to ask if you were in their, their position. What I do see is that coaches that have an open mind about these types of things, they do get rewarded quite a bit. And that doesn't mean that they will take this technology and put it on every single swimmer overnight. Most of them are strategic about it. And they'll say, hmm, this will work really well for pacing for my, you know, 400, 1500-meter swimmers. Hmm, maybe I could use the distance per stroke feature for my sprinters when we're doing drills on improving their, their propulsion phase. Maybe, and then you start thinking, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. And then they come up with ideas that I hadn't thought about. It's like, okay, well, this we're going to use it in a million different ways for different swimmers at different times. And it's not something that you use all the time. And I, and I think that's, what, that's what's happened, I think, in competitive swimming, you know. And then for triathletes, you know, it's a little bit of a different story. It's, been, it's allowed triathletes to swim anywhere and train anywhere, anywhere in, the, in the world. And their coach can still see and follow what they're doing. And they're such data freaks that they, they've been waiting for this device for so long, right? I mean, this is something that they've been asking the same questions I've asked. Like, why the hell hasn't this been developed yet? And then you have the fitness swimmers that are really la the largest cohort, of course. And those are people that could be ex-competitive swimmers, could become triathletes tomorrow, or just, just enjoy swimming. And there's tens of millions of them, even in, just in the U.S., and those people, of course, they're starting to really use our products now and uh, starting to see, you know, and get inspired from our launch, you know, first going to competitive swimmers and Olympians and seeing them actually go, okay, this actually works for us. Well, if it works for them, it should work for me too. And, did, you know, we, we all manage the pandemic in our own way. And uh, I was, it, it, you know, f for our company, we're a media company. So when it, it was a story. And our audience had nowhere to go, so they came to us. So we didn't feel the pandemic. I can tell you that a lot of folks that we worked with, um, they're, everything shut down. But I noticed that you, it's, it, it, it looked like you pivoted or it looked like maybe you moved up your, your start date for open water sooner. Wh which was it? Was, it? was it your plan all along or did you move faster into open water during the pandemic? It was our plan all along to launch open water, but we did move faster. Uh, and, you know, we, we saw this as something that could really benefit triathletes and open water swimmers with minor modifications. We didn't want to go in and put GPS in every single swimming goggle because GPS doesn't work indoors. And now everybody, like the 90% of pool swimmers, you know, 95% of the world that are pool swimmers, 
suddenly now they have to have a GPS and a huge battery along that they can't use. So we didn't want to put it into the product. We didn't feel like making another SKU, another like version, because that was also risky. It's very seasonal and it's not that big a market, but we did want to launch it. And then the pandemic hit and we thought, okay, what can we do? And we started coming up with crazy ideas. And it turned out that we could just partner with Garmin and Apple and use their watches. And, you know, triathletes use Garmin and fitness swimmers use Apple. And then we could use their GPS. And then we went and tested in a very cold lake here in, in Vancouver called Sassamat Lake. It was like a late March. And we had to buy a special wetsuit. And I didn't jump in it to begin with. We sent, I sent somebody else. <laughs> and, then, uh, and, then, uh, and then I jumped in about a month later. And then we all started to test it. And it turned out that we could actually connect to the wrist and get, uh, and get that experience using our goggles as kind of like a dumb display for the watch. So that, that was a free update that we launched in July during the pandemic. And I, I think that was really, I was very proud of that moment because I felt like, you know, hey, you, you, something can happen outside of your control, but if you band together, you know, you can actually create value for your customers and come up with something that you, maybe you wouldn't have been able to do in that time frame if you didn't have that external pressure. So I, I really enjoyed that. Well, can you talk about what you just launched in August? I sure can. Um, I mean, this is also something that has been in the plan since day one. So we've, we've, we've got plans, of course, with this product that we launched in 2019. What you saw back then in the pool in Austin was really uh, the first step, the first chapter for us, but a chapter that if we didn't complete that satisfactorily, we couldn't do chapter two, three, four, and five. Because if you don't have accurate tracking and, and, and a good display, uh, you can't really move forward from that. So that was step one. But step two was always this notion of, you know, wouldn't it be great if you could just see workouts in your goggles? Like you didn't, you wouldn't have, to, and this is for all those people that don't have a coach. What if, what if you could just get the workout, you know, be sent from your coach, but let's just say that, 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 that there was this device that could just lead you through every single step of the way. And, um, and that, that was what we launched August 24th. Uh, huge library of workouts from our app. You can just pick, you can download up to five workouts and then it just guides you through the experience. And you, first of all, you don't have to think about like when you started, whether it was up top or down bottom, you know, and what your, you know, your rest time should be and all that stuff. That was solved in the first chapter. And then the second chapter is, okay, well, I, I can just focus on getting into like Zen and enjoy swimming and maybe think about my technique because these goggles is going to tell me exactly what to do. I'm so jealous of you. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> You That's cool. It. That's really cool. Um, what, you know, what's next in sports tech? You know what? It, it, man, things are moving so fast now. I think AI is really something that we haven't even started to scratch the surface, what AI can actually do, not just for wearables, but for sports, you know, big data. Um, so I'm excited to follow that uh, and see what, what other companies are going to use that for. I think AR augmented reality, we've come up with, I think, an application that is practical, pragmatic, and focused. You know, we're not coming out with something where it's like, oh, here's a great, you know, full resolution, full color display that, you know, you figure out how to use it. Like we, we really took some piece of technology and showed that AR can be used in a way that will add a lot of value in a specific application. I think you'll see augmented reality be used in a similar fashion, but implemented differently still purpose-built for many other types of sports applications. 
so I think you'll, yeah, I think you'll see AI and AR really be the driving forces behind innovation in the sports space. Um, I have a feeling that this is something I want to dive into in a, in a second podcast. Would, would, you, would you come back and talk to me about it? Because I, I know that our, I know that uh, swimming data and AR are, are going to redefine all sports, but uh, I, I don't feel like I have a PhD there. And I think that you, you have the unofficial PhD for this topic. So could we, could we cover that in a second pod? I'd love to. I'd love to come back. Is, is there anything that you would like to say and as a parting thought or just to, just to cap this conversation? I would say coming back to what we talked about with the coaches, I would say it's very simple. Keep an open mind. And I think it costs you nothing to keep an open mind. And you know what? You did that, right? when you answered my email and you said, okay, come to Austin, we jumped in the pool. You could have easily said, this is not tried a thousand devices and I'm done, but you kept an open mind. And I, I think people that have come into the family of form now and a part of our community, they kept an open mind and they, they're, they've, they've been rewarded for it. And so that will be my piece of parting advice. That I appreciate as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a nice ending. And I would just like to say this, um, in, in terms of customer service, this is a great company. If you reach out to them, they're very responsive. And uh, in, in, in this world, in swimming, that matters. Dan, thanks for coming with us. If you're out there and you're listening, remember, go to formswim.com, formswim.com. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at formswim. You've been listening to the Swim Swim Podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swim Podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.